I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. All are privileged millionaire in the public eye who find themselves in an embarrassing and strange situation. They can take it. William definitely can. They don't need to be protected by Jamie Carragher. Jesus Christ. Erlene Hall doesn't care. Tim Sherwood here. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a love. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. Welcome back to season three of the Villa Podcast. Season fucking three, Liam. I did not think I'd be able to drag you this far, but look, we're back in August. There's a bit of optimism in the air. Dare say it, I'm thinking this could be good if absolutely everything goes right. I've even gone back into doing a fantasy football team when I said I wouldn't, and I started again. Do you want to talk about fantasy football first, or where do you want to where do you want to start? Just probably talk about football. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll get you later on in the season. But the first thing I do want to talk about, we've got a lot to get through here. We've got a lot. We've got Chuck Wemmicka. We've got our new signings. We've got some stuff to look forward to, some stuff to not look forward to. Um, but the first place to start is, oh, captain, my captain, Mr. John McGinn has got the armband. And I have to say, I'm, I'm happy for him because I know, I know John McGinn has been inconsistent sometimes over the last few years. He's still a fan favorite. He's still a favorite of ours when he's absolutely on it. I think one of the things that always caveats John McGinn chat is if he had that number six behind him, what would he really be like? We see him at Scotland. He's got the structure behind him. Look at him go. And we probably always do take for granted now a little bit just the, the amount of tackles a man's putting in, the amount of ratty perfect <laughs> phases of play where he's interrupting he's just so busy still like that's his baseline and it's a good baseline and we always hear about how infectious he is but now he's a captain Gerard made the decision he said to Tyrone Mings thanks but but no thanks John McGinn you are in and uh yeah what do you think it's coming this fifth season I think it's fitting that he is the captain uh, yeah like 
on on the face of it, he's he's infectious. He is energetic. He's all those things you said. He never stops running, and he must be well liked because of his personality as well. He's seems like he's great crack, and mm. because of the effort he puts on the pitch, he's someone who takes on a leadership role anyway. But I've been asking for the last three years, what does McGinn need to do to be rested, rotated, or dropped even? And you <laughs> think that the conditions for it to happen were closing in on him with the signing of Kamara, the emergence of Tim, Dougie being let off the leash, Jacob Ramsey, the most exciting player in world football. Like We've actually got real options in there now. But then he's given the captaincy and the threat just recedes again. <laughs> like, you know, all happy fans are the same and all unhappy fans are unhappy in their own way and I'm unhappy because I want our captain driving force and most famous player dropped but like I, I, you're right I've just never thought he's been consistent enough to be unquestionably in the team every week like it didn't matter how badly he was playing or the team was playing how badly the midfield was malfunctioning Dean Smith played him as part of his two man midfield for a full season for fuck's sake but the idea of John McGinn being part of the problem was never even given any credence but <laughs> this could be his year, Connor. This could be his year. You're right. Kamara, Kamara should free him up. It should allow him to let the shackles off and be be more of the creative influence he is for Scotland, be a box-to-box player. And when he gets to the opposition box, not turn around and be able to see our own box with a clear line of sight because fucking doggy's gone for his afternoon walkies. <laughs> And some people, some people respond really well to being given the captaincy as well. Like you know, David Beckham, for example, should never have been the England captain. <laughs> Players like John Terry and Rio Ferdinand and Steve and Gerrard knocking around. Like I know Beckham was older than them, but let's get fucking real here. And maybe that'll be the same for McGinn, or maybe, maybe Gerrard has just created a massive pain in his arse. Gerard's house, not McGinn's house, obviously. It doesn't feel pain. <laughs> well, the, there is definitely, it's probably the August excitement as well, where I'm like, yeah, I think this will be the making of him. You know, this, because like if you go through the stats, you're right. Like the last two seasons, he, he's played 35 and 37 Premier League games. And these are, you know, some of that 35 uh, run out of 38, he was dropped. Like it wasn't like he was injured. He was actually dropped for some of them. And he still manages to, to chalk up those numbers. And in fairness to him, in the championship, he played 41 of the 46 league games as well. It was only the, the first season we got promoted. Remember, he had the injury, and it was just, mm. just like we, we didn't know what to do when John McGinn was out for 10 games. Like, But uh, but I, th- I think there is an element of me thinking, like, put the responsibility on him. Now he freed up a bit more of a defined role. Kamara, hopefully, it, it, it definitely looks the part in preseason, but hopefully he's he's got that presence about him as well. Where it, Do you know when there's a good player behind you? And suddenly you start questioning everything that you're doing because they question everything you're doing. It's like when somebody that good is holding the fort and he says to you, what the fuck are you doing back here? I'm here. And then like that, you'll never make that mistake again. It's like, as long as that boy's there, I don't need to be there. And McGinn has just been so in his head and his heart. And there's like, you know, with that responsibility to you have like, you know, never, never, never straying too far, always having to mind the house, never then moving on the ball. That was the byproduct. But there's also the, we're talking about Mings losing the captaincy and now McGinn getting it. And you were saying about like, yeah, him maybe being under pressure. I I actually think there's only three players in the team who are not under pressure. I know Gerard's like, you know, creaming himself for this prospect, but it's Martinez who's the vice captain. And I assume Gerard doesn't want his keeper i just assume he's that sort of player doesn't want the keeper being the captain and it's it's the fullbacks it's it's look at dean and it's uh my cash 
but I don't think they get the captaincy. And then everybody else, it's like everybody else is theoretically droppable, apart from Kamara, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think just on Mings quickly, like, you know, he's a leader with his personality anyway, not always in how he's played. And that's probably what's done for him in the end. But he's a brilliant fella and he'll continue to be a brilliant leader in the squad anyway. It's really unfortunate for him because I would say he's just come off his most consistent two-month spell since we were in the championship. Yeah. And not only has he had the captaincy taken away from him, he's probably not in the team at the minute either. And you're right, yeah, you're right. The two fullbacks and Martinez should be the only people who are undroppable, but you can add me into that list now. <laughs> Well, we're going to move on because I've got a big congratulations to hand out. It's to Carney Chukwemeka for his move to Anderlecht or his incoming move. His, <laughs> loan, <laughs> his impending loan move to Anderlecht. Um, yeah, so he's, he's gotten what he wants, it seems, which must just be a, a big contract. Obviously, Chelsea are a big club and vying for um, titles and, and cups and, and whatever else playing European football. But... Uh, if he was struggling to get into the Villa team, who have been pushing Jacob Ramsey so methodically over the last few years, and now look at him, and who you have, as you say, they have John McGinn, and they have Douglas Louise, and they have that question around Buendia and Bailey. Like, you know, these players who've been coming in and out of the team, he got 11 games last year. He's been, he's been given chances. I, I don't think in any of them, really, he came away thinking, we need to see more of him. You know, like the Buendia clamor, every time Buendia was on, he was he was class, and we were like, "Why is he not? Like, we need to get him in the team more." That never happened with, with Chuck Wemmick. I know he's young, but it was always just, "Yeah, isn't it good that he's getting a bit of game time?" I I actually feel that every time Chuck Wemmick played, I was more, "Oh, hopefully, hopefully that keeps him happy," which is a fucking grim place to be, even eighteen year old. Uh, yeah, good luck to him. Twenty million for someone with a year left on his contract. He's played a handful of times and looked grand. Is a decent bit of business. 20 million for for someone who couldn't force his way past McGinn, Dougie, or Sanson doesn't look too bad either. Yeah. But like, you're right. Like this, is, this is the year that would have been the equivalent of JJ breaking through in terms of age and career trajectory. So he he has to know he's at a club where the, the pathway is there. But fuck his agent, because we needn't be under any illusion about where this is coming from, what's driving this. It's his team. The team of knobheads who see a resource to be exploited. It's just something for them to, to make money from while doing fuck all themselves other than sending out a three points bicep emoji or a not the result we wanted hashtag we go again tweet every fucking week. It's a whole team of people living off his talent that add nothing other than an deduction to his paycheck. Stop listening to agents and advisors who know nothing about the sport. Like he was 17 at the start of last season. What does he want? Like go establish yourself as a top player, and then the ten million year, ten million quid a year contract will come to you. Like don't let your agents fill your head with the need to demand respect because you were able to take the piss out of some children last year. Yeah, like there, there's so many cautionary tales there for him as well. It's not like it's not like this isn't common in football. You, Nicholas Bentner, Robinho, Adnan Yanazai, Denilson. Like if you believe your own hype. If you take your eye off the ball, if you go looking for too much too soon, you're fucking done. Like, look at the lad. What, what do you call that lad? He used to play for Man United and Juventus, but he retired when he was about 25 to become an influencer. <laughs> Six years he was at United. He played well for three months after Mourinho got sacked because he wanted to prove a point. The only point he proved was that he was a cunt capable of being brilliant. 
but wasn't bothered putting it in. And he just let six years of his peak years drift by. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe multi-millionaire, most marketable footballer in the world, multi-Syria and World Cup winning Paul Pogba is not the best example <laughs> of the general point I'm trying to make, but he should be one of the best players in the world. But because he's so talented, he's shite. Yeah. Do you know I made the mistake of watching the Pogmentary? <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, it is. It, it's, uh, it's really depressing. Just how casual... Him and Mino Raiola were just just sitting around talking about contracts and every move that they think about. Like they were talking, like they, they thought they were going to get him out of United a year earlier than they did. And you know the, the teams that they were floating around were coming up. Juventus, nah, they couldn't afford him. And it was just it was all just money, and like he had no say. It was just Mino Raiola dismissing it. Nah, they wouldn't be able to afford him. And then, like that's where he's going back now. Like that's the real the re- the reality for somebody like Paul Pogba. Like you know it's. it's as much as he wanted to push the boat, he's ended up taking a step back to go back to where he's come from, to go back to some place where a year ago his agent just dismissed outright as if like that's beneath you. But that's where he's gone though. Like and, you know, maybe for Chuck Wemmicka, if he could play for United and Juventus, like that's you know that that's the career he wants or that's the paychecks that he wants. And, 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 and you're right, like he's too young to. I don't put this on his door. It's just shite that he's listening to him and he's surrounded by them. And you can see it. You can see the entourage that he probably has sitting in an office and. And them talking about getting this contract. Like, play the long game. You were going to get paid handsomely at Aston Villa. Break into the team. Get a, get a year extension. Do, do anything like that. Like Be a bit more inventive. Show your worth. Get a bigger move. Get a bigger contract. Get like get a career in football. Is that not what you're here for? Or is it is it just contracts? Because now I'm looking at the, the Chelsea. You know, we're, we're talking about the players that had to break through ahead of at Aston Villa but like you go, th- go through the list at Chelsea like they've just signed Sterling I know he won't exactly be a direct uh, rival but Conor Gallagher's back there who's who's ahead of Chuck Wemmick at the minute um, Ziyech is there like not getting a lot of game time or as much game time as he'd like Hudson Adoy, Mason Mount Ross Barkley is there <laughs> <laughs> Ruben Loftus-Cheek Christian Pulisic you know if you go further back into the midfield like Kovacic Kante Jorginho Good luck. Like it, it, it's the task now ahead of you is way harder. Like no doubt, a talented player, but just start playing football. The contracts will look after themselves. And by the way, like this is the other thing. It's the same with those <laughs> golfers that I can't understand. You're going to say live golf. It's a, you're you're not going to want for money for the rest of your career. You're going like if you have a good career, you're going to be looked after. You're going to get all these corporate speeches you're going to get all these after dinner talks you like anything you want you'll, you'll be looked after you get a career in punditry just just sort out your football career first the thing you've been dreaming of for years now just just do that and the rest will look after itself yeah maybe, maybe he has dreamed about trying to elbow his way into Tuchel's preferred two-man midfield system trying to dislodge Jorginho or De Jong whenever he eventually goes there for every just a slot or Kante Kovacic or Gallagher in the box-to-box role like come on Madness. Yeah. And the only other thing I wanted to talk about at the top of the show is our two new signings. We've got outgoings, but we've got incomings as well. Well, maybe maybe Philip Coutinho and Robin Olsen would be unhappy that we're calling them two new signings. But but uh, let's let, let's get real. It's great that we've um, made Philip Coutinho permanent, but you know we're football fans. Like We need the next hit all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and Coutinho was already there. I'm sorry. Like they say don't fall in love with a loan signing, you know, because they break your heart when they go away. But but also then because 
you don't see them as a real signing when you make them permanent because they're, they're already like old news. Or yeah, yeah, they're part of the furniture already. How else do I do up this this interior? Um, and like in fairness, we can talk a bit later about you know maybe what we need and what we're still missing. But I think one of the things that we always talked about was well, we we never stopped talking about it. it was number six. We've gone and got a competitive French international, one of the hottest prospects in Europe by all the coins that a lot of people wanted, and we've gotten them. And Kamara Zari looks to business, and we've gotten what, what Steven Gerrard was always talking about getting his fourth centre half. And I can imagine all through last season and all through preseason, per Courtney House sitting there going, Hello! Gerrard <laughs> <laughs> talking about, I just need a fourth centre half. If I can find a fourth centre half anywhere, I'm right here, I'm right here. We've got five now, it turns out. <laughs> yeah, like. Kamara looks to be the embodiment, the physical manifestation of all our hopes and dreams of the last three years. <laughs> Don't want to put too much pressure on the left. It's a, it's a, it's very rare, as we all know, for the last couple of years. It's very rare for the club to go out and fix an obvious problem. And when they do, the difference is absolutely staggering. Because if Kamara is as good as he looks when the season begins, we're going from having a crater in the middle of the pitch to having a mountain. It's that big. Remember when we went from having <laughs> we went from having a lad who used the football as a security blanket and went for a nap in the side netting to having a man that told <laughs> told Jerry Mina he was going to wash him down with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Like that was huge. And we re- replaced Sama goal kick with a centre forward who would be an England international by the end of the season. Like these were paradigm shifts and how we could think of ourselves as a club and Kamara could be that important again no pressure and like we said at the top of the show as well like the knock-on effects could be huge as well how it frees up JJ McGinn and Dougie the flexibility it gives us we can actually play a two-man midfield now assuming McGinn can be rotated in and out (laughs) but you know Carlos looks like an absolute beast as well and really importantly he looks he looks good on the ball like it's not quite the jump that Kamara represents but it it could be really important component as well because both Dean Smith and Gerrard have wanted to introduce a more progressive possession based style of play but at every turn literally at every turn that has ended with Tyrone Mings holding the corner flag for balance as he just hoofed the ball in the <laughs> general direction of Ollie Watkins <laughs> I think that actually um, teases up very nicely for our first WhatsApp wins of the season. Um, I know it's a fresh start and we want to be positive, but like you know, let, let's do this the only way we know how with some WhatsApp wins. All right, at the start of every WhatsApp wins, we've uh, become accustomed to handing out some uh, fines, weeks' wages being docked for players left, right, and centre. For coaches as well, nobody's immune to the Villa podcast fines. We've been getting a lot, a lot of suggestions now for. For new ones to introduce at the start of the season, I love I love the enthusiasm that's eking out of Villa fans all over. There hasn't even been a competitive game played in seventy odd days, and everyone's already coming up with new finds that we need to introduce for the new season that hasn't started yet. But uh, <laughs> so obviously the, the the inception of this was uh, like just that bugbear of 
of fullbacks mostly, but anybody really crossing the ball out for a for a goal kick. And John McGinn did start bringing that into his game as well when he tried an old right foot across every so often. So the the classic, if you're on the right hand side and you're trying to cross it into the box, your right foot, and it's supposed to be an out swinger, and it goes out for a goal kick. Like you get the fuck out of here. You're not being paid this week. Um, then Tyrone Mings came from the backfield and he started getting fines then because he just memory picked up that habit of just finding touch just kicking the ball out for <laughs> for throw-ins like sometimes not those lobbed clearances you're talking about just he just started rolling out of play it's so weird that he that he brought it in and then a man who was very close to winning this thing overall well it's probably a bit of Austin McPhee as well but Douglas Louise hitting free kicks it turns out he's absolutely fucking brilliant at them in training did you see the <laughs> clip that was going around <laughs> justice for Austin McPhee Douglas Louise is finding that top <laughs> corner like uh, with, with frightening regularity and like you know precision um, so I don't know how to keep an eye on this one because that is on the final list at the minute maybe we should take it off and put it into a holding area but take it off and everybody scores a fucking goal from a free kick in a match <laughs> we're not we're not finding him because he's missing in training <laughs> Yeah, or if it hits the target, maybe we can take it off for a weekend. It hits it past the wall, maybe. <laughs> okay, that's staying in. Uh, we got some great suggestions um, on Twitter as well. The Villa Podcast, follow us if you're not following us. Um, Joel said, can we introduce a fine for every player that, that misses a one-on-one? Probably, <laughs> we probably can, but I think that might sort of eke into the Ronnie Rossenthal Award as well because we, we always have a lot of one-on-ones. Maybe... maybe when we've got more than one, then we'll hand out a fine for the winner of it. But uh, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I like I'm not sure. How, I'm not sure how that would work with Danny Ings. I mean, how you can't find somebody more than one week's wages every week. Doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, Stefan Driscoll had a brilliant one. Um, whenever Matt Cash is on a run, a burst. You know, you, you know the type. Nobody needs another description. They can all see it now in their head. And somebody passes the ball behind them. <laughs> he has to check back to get the ball and the whole the whole move stops all of Matt Cash's intentions and momentum have stopped and uh, I think that's a great one from Stefan I think I'll definitely be keeping an eye out for that and I think that's sort of what Mings was doing a few times you look at Dean as well when he was trying to bomb down the line he was just rolling it out for a, for a throw in <laughs> so, so used to Matt Target being on his heels <laughs> yeah, exactly uh, Danny had one <laughs> you're not going to like this a fine for delayed podcasts <laughs> we spent all our money in fucking holidays how could we possibly pay the fine <laughs> and then Paul had one that you've just mentioned there actually uh, with John McGinn uh, passing it back to the keeper from the halfway line Christ almighty yeah, yeah. I, take you, I take you well up for that fine well up for that yeah um, and the only other suggestion I had is is that <laughs> because we've talked about this enough as well trying to pass the ball out from the back. You remember, you know, that when we, we show this this bravado of a team who, who works the ball out from back to front, and then, like you mentioned already, Tyrone Mings ends up just lumping it from his own byline. Like, that's that's a team fine and probably a coach's fine as well. It's a, it's a whole squad fine because if if we are going to commit to doing it, and let's fucking do it, let's not end up further back than from where the goal kick started. Imagine ending up further back than where the goal <laughs> kick started. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, we'd have, probably have to play behind closed doors or something for that. I'm not sure if a finance system's going to work. <laughs> too, too many people implicated in this. The whole club has to suffer. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but I think that's it for from a finding point of view. We are going to do these at the start of WhatsApp ranges every week. So if you do have any on your mind and get in touch and let us know, um, maybe we should maybe we should add on some bonuses along the way as well. But like, hey, you know, what a surprise! I couldn't think of any bonuses. I can only think. Of <laughs> uh, first WhatsApp range. I mean, yeah, it's great we got Kamara and Diego Carlos, but what the fuck? What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, I was actually looking at this, and we've only spent around twenty million in the last three transfer windows. But they're telling <laughs> us we've got the best owners in the league coming. <laughs> to be fair, for that twenty million, we think we've gone from target starting and house elmo and neil taylor as the only alternatives in defense and we've talked about how much of an improvement how much of an improvement there's been back there house is now our fifth center half kamara kamara's taken dougie's place and dougie has taken barkley's shirt not literally hopefully that would really weigh him down and i don't mean mentally <laughs> and up up top we've gone from Grealish, trezeguet and wesley to coutinho bundia bailey and ings but there still are some problems, and some of them, some of them are going to be brought about by the the five sub rule, and some by either inaction on the board's part or as the blind spot for Gerard. And a big one is with Chuck fucking off. If Dougie or Ramsey get injured, suspended, or get a knock, we're looking at bringing on Sanson in a game. He becomes our first sub for the number eight slot. Like Sanson has shown absolutely nobody anything for them to believe that he's good enough to get us where we want to go. So unless unless the thinking is that, that Tim can play in that six and a half position and be a replacement for Dougie, I think there's a big gap there as well. And we've talked about that for a long time. And then you'd, you'd also be looking at the front three and thinking Buendia, Coutinho, Watkins, Archer, Ings and Bailey is a, is a strong six options for the three positions. And there's probably enough there to switch to a front four as well. But what I don't like is that if we're playing well, but Bailey isn't, if the system is working, but Bailey isn't working, we're looking at the bench and our only choice is indigestion because I just can't <laughs> swallow the idea that Bertrand Trory is still a professional footballer. I just can't have another <laughs> bite of the Bertie T-Burger. Because Bailey, if Bailey gets injured, we have to change our whole system. If Bailey gets injured, we can only play one way. And let's be honest here. He pulled his quad, kicking a ball, and pulled his hamstring, tracking back. <laughs> so I'm not exactly going out in a limb, suggesting there's a risk. <laughs> so, so that brings me on to the second WhatsApp winch, which was, uh, oh, Leon Bailey's your big hope for the season, is it? <laughs> <laughs> and don't get me wrong, he looks fucking brilliant. <laughs> he looks great. But we had a boy... Colin, our, our, our Colin, he, he looked he looked brilliant for those eighteen minutes he played against Everton as well. <laughs> we, I was just going to say we had a boy called Poe in an old football team he used to play in, and, and he was called Preseason Poe because he, <laughs> he was really good. He was really enthusiastic. He was really fit, you know, at the start of the year, or before the start of the year, and then just never materialized into game one, two, or three. But uh, let's hope it does happen for Bailey because he does look good and. I think uh, Jairzinho got in touch with us on Twitter to say Bailey's that good. He's getting drafted into loads of fantasy football teams now as well. Although, like, don't worry, we're not going to talk about fantasy football. But <laughs> Leon Bailey is five million in fantasy football. He's he's there with all defensive midfielders. That's exactly why he's getting drafted in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but. It sort of leads in. It sort of leads into the third WhatsApp winch, which is, you know, 
we're, we're going to finish ninth to fourteenth. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly what we've been saying from the start of this podcast back in 2020 yeah what i what i will say is that west ham this west ham team will eventually do a leicester and just fade away like not into obscurity but not hitting the same standards they'll stop being a team that's challenging for fourth and fifth but finishes seventh and they'll just become a team challenging for seventh and their only signing so far is a centre forward who just screams flop. Leicester have literally signed nobody and yeah. are at risk of losing their best player. And that brings us on nicely to it all being down to what Saudi Arabia do in the next month because yeah. they've signed a goalkeeper and a centre half. Target will be dropped by Christmas <laughs> and that's their backline largely sorted then. It, it is surprising that they haven't signed at least four attacking midfielders and forwards because they need it. I mean, there's only so far Alan St. Maximum running down blind alleys can take you as a country. But if Saudi Arabia managed to bring in Madison and one or two others, then they're looking good as well. I'm expecting, and it's definitely, it's definitely pre-season hope being dressed up as analysis, but I'm expecting West Ham to regress and Newcastle and Villa to push out of the irrelevant mini league of ninth to fourteenth. Like the hope and the dream is that we're we're challenging for seven for most of the season. And if we end up falling back and finishing tenth, that's all right for this season. Like even if we end up getting caught by a Brighton or a Wolves, but we were in the hunt until the end of April and then collapse, that's kind of all right too. Like I would love to think that the table is now split into the top two, Chelsea, the battle for fourth, and then seven to ten, all battling for that conference league position. And I think in terms of squads, that's how it should pan out. And then with Brighton, Wolves and Palace just below that, it's just down to the managers after that. And I think our squad is good enough to challenge. So, <laughs> apart from the gaps, I could we can come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, th- there is that... <laughs> There is definitely that hope, and when you do look at the whole thing from a, you know, from a bird's eye view, it doesn't look as as bad. Like ninety four team doesn't look as nailed on. I, I'm I'm sort of being playful saying that, but we 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 did say it the last two seasons, and and I can I can foresee a scenario where a couple of months into the season where it's like yeah, well like the players just aren't good enough. Like so, we are going to finish between ninth and fourteenth. That's that's their level. Um, I don't know. Is the, like, I I think. I know. Look, maybe maybe he'll be proved right. I hope he is. But I think Gerard was just so obsessed with. And I obviously got the Coutinho thing done as well. But I think he was so obsessed with just shoring up our defensive unit. And I think he's he's probably done that now. Like he, well, he's got four. Sorry, Courtney. He's got four centre halves to choose from. He's got he's got a, like one of the best keepers in the league. He's got two of the best fullbacks in the league. Like I don't know. I'd say the top two. Probably the the best fullback partnership in the league. Would you say that's fair? Like, would Chelsea have something to say about that? Right, Reece James is brilliant. I think Ben Chilwell is the most overrated player in the country. <laughs> it, that, that's what it means. Why side of City and Liverpool? You're you're looking at Villa, like definitely competing to be the next best fullback pairing. Yeah, yeah, you, you definitely are. It's just whether or not the fullbacks can bomb on. Whether or not Kamara is indeed the best player in Europe, like I, I'm hoping he is. <laughs> yeah, but that's but that's it. So I think from Jared's point of view, he's like, so I've got the keeper. I've signed centre halves. I hope this works out. I've got the fullbacks. I've I've got the number six. 
and then I've got people like McGinn and stuff to come in and help out. But I think he's just so happy now to have that. I, I don't know. It's all going to come out in the wash now. I don't know if he's got enough then to say we, we showed up the defence. Now you go and like you like I don't think he's going to do a Mourinho one, but like you know we've got enough now to just go and win a game. I, I don't know if that's the case. We, we'll we'll obviously see. But I think yeah, I think the top six is is set. I know you're you're breaking it down into little uh, micro elements in the top six. I, Spurs one's interesting because I think they're just going to disappear into the horizon because like they sign really well, they've got a good manager to end up the season really well. They're in the Champions League now; they're on a new level. United, we'll talk about them actually later, but you know they're going to have their act together a bit. Arsenal will probably be in that top six, and then I think Saudi Arabia's problem is that Eddie Howe doesn't want to. I I, I don't know if. It, it sits well with Eddie Howe that he's, he's managing an international level at the minute. You know, that, that <laughs> I don't think he was ready to take that step. And I, I think he, he's signing. Like may, maybe, maybe he, there's an argument that they're clever, but they're also they're also a bit safe. And, and again, maybe like you know, why not take the steps when you're coming from Newcastle's base? But like, geez, he, like they did spend the most out of anybody ever in January. So he's got that, like he's got that potential to do it. But he's he's bringing in Nick Pope. He's bringing in Matt Target. It's just it doesn't speak to the calibre that you expected Saudi Arabia to go out and buy. And like maybe the lad Madison, but I just thought they would have gotten these players by now. Um, and I think Villa do have an opportunity right now before Saudi Arabia really kick in the gear because like maybe Eddie Howe will get the rocket up his arse. Maybe they'll, they'll get rid of him and bring in somebody who's not afraid to put his balls in the line with big signings, but um, Villa, I think, have an opportunity. I think maybe that's where my annoyance at the transfers has come from as well, where it's like, come on, are we going to elbow our way in here or not? Do we want the Conference League or not? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. That That is the big worry, that this is the season to get in, because after that, it's a question of whether or not the UEFA gives England another slot in the Conference League because I think I think Newcastle will disappear into the horizon as well. And then after that, you're really relying on, you know, man, you know, let a point in Solskjaer again, you know, <laughs> idiotic things like that happening or Spurs appointing Jose Mourinho, who just was never a fit for the club and then replacing him with Nuno Espirito Santo, <laughs> who was just a younger version of Mourinho without the charisma. Like, how the fuck was that going to be a replacement for him? That was insane, an insane 12 months from the shrewd Daniel Levy. But that stuff is rare, rarely happens. So <laughs> this is the season to to match Newcastle, at least to challenge them for seventh place. But yeah. I, I, th- I think I think you're right. I think we, we're, we're strong defensively, but we needed, we needed a little bit of magic to help out the front three. Well, over to you, Leon Bailey. <laughs> uh, questions we can't answer next. Bit of an announcement first for anybody who doesn't follow us on Twitter. We're on Twitter. I just mentioned it earlier. If you weren't listening to the Villa podcast, go get us. Follow us there. Subscribe as well if you can, please, um, because we are going to be coming out twice a week now. Outside of the games, as I said, like we'll probably end up going fucking four times a week with the fixture pileups and stuff, but we're going to have a podcast coming out every Thursday. It's going to be a more general football one. It'll still be in the same feed. It'll still be called the Villa Podcast. We'll still be probably talking a lot about Aston Villa as well. Um, but yeah, so just keep an eye out for that coming next Thursday. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have to cover the the, the chase for the Conference League in our general football podcast. So we'll definitely be talking about the Villa. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. But right now, questions we can't answer, but probably will. Number one, what 
Is Mikel Arteta doing? <laughs> what? what is he doing? Like, what is it? This is like, uh, if anybody hasn't seen it, I'd be, I'd be amazed. So the documentaries are today. Happy Arsenal Prime documentary. <laughs> it's on Amazon Prime, all or nothing. Um, and there's a clip from it that went out during the week. And it was Mikel Arteta talking about one of his crazier ideas. And it was Arsenal training whilst he was blasting in You'll Never Walk Alone into the into the training pitch with the speakers that he was setting up himself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know do you know what the saddest thing about all this is? It's it's not that they went and lost four 0 to Liverpool then. <laughs> it's not that it obviously didn't replicate the atmosphere at Anfield. It's not that the players probably thought he was batshit crazy. It's that one of his coaches, like he's confident somebody he's supposed to trust, somebody's supposed to push back, give him ideas, like you know, challenge him, says to him, yeah, that's a good idea, actually. <laughs> imagine, imagine I said that to you. We're, like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to talk about fantasy football for an hour. You would never <laughs> You would never say to me, that's interesting. It's a good idea, actually. You know, come like what are you doing? Like what like what is going on? I don't know. I, I, I really I really don't know. I mean, <laughs> what, what I found was the most irritating part of it was was the declaration. You said it there at the start that he makes that little obsequious coach another one of my crazy ideas. <laughs> Anybody who describes what they're like, who describes their personality, doesn't <laughs> have that personality. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm a bit mad. Oh, you're not. You're boring. Yeah, oh, you yeah. know what I'm like? I really fucking annoying. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the the best bit was the two camps just immediately being set up in the replies though the you know he shouldn't be getting slagged for being innovative that whole front and they're right he shouldn't he should be slagged for coming up with a shit idea <laughs> if you don't try things you don't know if they'll work or not you do <laughs> if the things you're proposing to try are bollocks they won't work <laughs> whenever people say in a meeting there's no such thing as a bad idea they're just stimulating conversation hoping that people will say things that starts a train of thought that can be worked on tweaked like maybe something that'll spark a completely tangential idea in the room they don't literally mean there's no such thing as a bad idea of course there are and they should be left in the fucking meeting room like if you're trying to make your players mentally tougher if you're trying to prepare them for sixty thousand fans chanting and singing and taunting if you're trying to prepare them for fucking tiago henderson fabinho manny hounding them around the pitch Turning on the radio during a low-intensity training drill isn't going to cut it. <laughs> and if you're being followed around by a documentary crew, definitely don't do it. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of, like, I, I still don't understand how we got a season two or something until I die. Like, surely everybody saw the first season and then not. <laughs> This might not be a good idea to do a second season, but then when you see the next chief, chief executive come in, you realize he is just... Actually, he's worse than the first one. He's just as apeshit. He's just as mad. Like, the only thing I'll say in Arteta's defense... Well, not, not his defense, because like, this is the other thing. One of the things like, that you're talking about, those camps that split, one of the things uh, that were sort of defending him said... Well, if it had worked, he would have been called a genius. It's like, yes, like you can't you can't apply that principle to to anything really. Never mind everything in football. If it had worked, he would have been called a genius. It didn't work. They got beat four 0 
and he looked like an idiot and it was recorded and now we're all laughing at him before the season started like <laughs> imagine you coming out and playing one defender and then just saying afterwards but if it had worked i would have looked like a genius <laughs> that's not how that's not how the world works but uh yeah like the only thing i would say is that he has a very young squad there so maybe i don't know maybe they, like, they don't mind this shit and maybe they just had you know coaches just roaring at them through their youth development the whole time and now they've got somebody who's trying to hunt a little wackier self-confessed craziness but um <laughs> <laughs> i don't know maybe they just buy into him and then and, and they're young enough to just say oh yeah let's, why not let's try it and look maybe they do buy into him but they're not gonna buy into him with this fucking bollocks like this isn't the sort of stuff that gets you respect <laughs> coming up with good tactics is what gets you respect employing proper psychologists will get him proper respect get those players a bit of one-on-one psychology if you really think they're that weak in the head yeah this isn't going to work manny coming around running behind Udegaard and taking the ball off him isn't going to change because you've played a song on the training ground <laughs> a song that gets belted out before the game starts as well <laughs> <laughs> or when the game's coming to a close it was uh it wasn't the best like you could have just threw in a hostile atmosphere and a lot of chance and, and whatever else but it was the way he applauded them then for managing to deal with it <laughs> during the training <laughs> you know well done we've gotten through that like it was a hard running session or something but it's it's probably a good time because you know it's a good time that this arsenal is rearing its head again because it looks like i don't know if this is the second question we can't answer but probably will but is the united banter era coming to an end <laughs> i mean they've definitely appointed someone who is definitely recognizable as a football manager so <laughs> the decision to abandon last season of six months to go has been vindicated. I mean, they couldn't have possibly taken a manager from the seventh best league in Europe mid-season. They had to give up on life for six months. So that's that's worked in their favour. That was shrewd. <laughs> and unfortunately, that's just led to the giving up on life has led to their icon, one of their greatest ever players, being desperate to get out. Yeah. And then De Jong, desperate to not get in as well. Like Frankie de Jong would literally rather stay at a club that won't pay him his salary than go to Man United. <laughs> Ten Hag has spent his summer trying to get the old Ajax band of 2019 back together and failed. That's still a bit of banter, Conan. Yeah. And don't forget that we still have Maguire. Like, <laughs> he, he's worth the admission fee to the circus himself. He'll get dropped by September. Neville will be calling for a back free probably then at that stage. Yeah. You'll probably see United have a duty to play him in a World Cup year or something absolutely bonkers like that. Yeah, yeah, it's a That's legacy. Yeah, United United have always... I think about what United stand for. And <laughs> it's, it's always been English centre-halves, hasn't it? It's, it's, you know, talk about identity, pillars of identity. You can see him going on this rant that he started out on Monday Night Football. Yeah. Going back to Bruce Palace there. He's grabbing all his fingers, Conan. He's forgetting the next one. The next one's Rio, and then there's nobody else after that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll still get some mileage out of the man. Because it's already... This is the thing I think it was worrying me about about the whole Ten Hag thing. You know, It looks like he might just be able to quash any of our giddiness when we start looking to poke fun at them because even like that whole Ronaldo debacle there now like where he's, he's leaving the game early and then I think it came out that I know like United were, were letting players leave early 
<laughs> and then Van Hagen, Ten Hag just comes out and says, "No, nah, that's not acceptable. Can't be doing that." In my watch. So he brings Ronaldo back. He's like pissed off for a while. Brings him back, takes him off at halftime. Ronaldo leaves early. Calls him a cunt for leaving early. It's like, you know, come on, Eric. We can't. You know, we can't. We can't slag you too much if you keep doing this stuff. If you keep being a manager of one of the <laughs> biggest institutions in the world, yeah. that's not what you want from our managers of Manchester United. <laughs> Uh, the only other thing I wanted to talk about and questions we can't answer, but probably will, is um, well, obviously it's 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 Haaland miss during the Community Shield. What like what a game that was! We need to figure out a way to get these teams playing each other every month because like those games are all <laughs> clinkers, aren't they? They are. And who the fuck was on cool commentary? Whatever stream I was watching, and it was Shaka Hislop. The only thing he could think to say was that it was the two best teams in the world, two really good teams going at each other. We fucking know. Tell us something else. We know who Liverpool and Man City are. <laughs> but then you're talking about Shaka Hislop. And Hislop. i big fan, usually, of Jamie Carragher. Well, for a lot of the time, I know I like to um, call him out as well. But I think that's what a good pull the does as well. Like, you know, you like to call them out too, but. Um, look, I don't need to justify myself to anybody. But <laughs> after after the Community Shield, Haaland misses it. He's had a terrible game as well, let's face it. Like, he didn't touch the ball for, I think it was 12, 13 minutes. He barely touched the ball the rest of the game. He, you know, he wasn't bringing all the players into the game. He wasn't getting... It wasn't like... If you, if you look at the game time that Darwin Nunes had and the impact he had on the match, like, you know, Haaland didn't get anywhere near that with 90 minutes. Um, even like you know, Alvarez had way bigger impact with the game time he had in it. Obviously, he got I think he might have got more touches in Holland as well. But he already, he already missed a big chance, and then he, like, this one comes out and then it's an open net, and he hits a crossbar from six yards out. Like that's it's Ronnie Rosenthal, and uh, Carragher you know, tries to ruin it for everybody then by coming out <laughs> on Twitter, like just begging for likes, you know, because he's coming in as a, the neutral Liverpool fan now, looking. The Haaland banter compilations will be everywhere this week after that miss, just like Nunes last week, from clowns who have never kicked the ball in their life. Like, come on, like you're on Twitter. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> you're walking into a, an established party of a certain way of life and you're trying, <laughs> you're trying to tell people how to behave. Come on, just enjoy it. Like, you know, you can look at those videos and think they're really funny. It doesn't mean like you know anybody who's rational will think that means Haaland is not a shite, but it's going to be a good crack looking at it. Yeah, like let, let's get real here. He missed an open net from six yards out. Like, even if Adrian wasn't prone on the ground, I'd make the case for it being an open net with Adrian there. Yeah. But <laughs> the Ronaldo and Messi successor has missed an absolute sitter. It's hilarious. The air to the throne has copped up. You didn't see Carragher jump in the Prince William's defence last week. There was no... <laughs> There was no that the hashtag William banter will be everywhere this week after that adultery from clowns who have never cheated on their wife by asking a woman to wear an eight inch vulcanized rubber strap on in their life. Like there's not a lot from him from another privileged millionaire in the public guy who found himself in an embarrassing and strange situation. They can take it. William definitely can. They don't need to be protected by Jamie Carragher. Jesus Christ. Erling Hall doesn't care if. At Honest Messi fan four eight five seven calls him Paland. <laughs> That's it anyway. Carragher has spoken. Having been a pro is a necessary condition to be able to speak about it. I assume he doesn't think it's a sufficient condition though, because he's had a conversation with Michael Owen and Gabby Agbonlahor before. 
But close the fucking sports bars. We're all going to the library to watch the games for headphones in. Like, no talking. Having not played at that level, I couldn't possibly understand that hitting the crossbar from six yard out is fucking dreadful. Yeah. And laughing at that and understanding, like you say, Haaland is brilliant, couldn't possibly coexist. Like, I wouldn't have the nuance for that because I've never let Thierry Henry make me look like a fucking pub stool, never mind a pub player. <laughs> It is. It is a good point, though. Like, yeah, the, the fact that he's um, using this right now for for this, like, he's using that idea that somebody's never kicked a ball in their life to talk about. Like, it's, what Haaland's trying to do there is difficult. There's nothing intricate. Nobody needs to understand how to kick a ball to understand that that should be going into the net. So actually, this is the one time where everybody can join. And like I say, <laughs> come everybody who has never kicked a ball in your life, like especially those who haven't kicked it straight, because you would have a, a better chance of putting that in. And he's made a mistake. Like he's put his, he's put his head above the parapet and the, you know, in the search for likes, and he, you know, he's gotten reminded then of, of not having any Premier League titles and. <laughs> It's like, what are you doing? Why did you bring this on to yourself? And a poor Gabby Agbonahor got torched in the in the crossfire because he tried to join in with Jamie and he said facts. And then uh, somebody, <laughs> somebody somebody absolutely roasted him with your your failed compilation lasted ten years, mate. <laughs> oh, brilliant! And he caught it five years short as well. Lazy bastard. <laughs> that's all we have time for thanks a million for listening please share it on um honestly i, I do uh mean that request if you can uh, just share it on it would, it would help get us kick-started for what is now season three um and please do subscribe as well wherever you are getting your podcast because it, it helps uh along the way so um yeah hopefully you'll you'll be with us for the rest of the season always appreciate you listening always appreciate you getting in touch and sharing it on as well so thanks very much we'll see you on when are villa playing saturday Saturday, 3 o'clock, but sure isn't it great that we got to do this three days early as well? <laughs> Saturday, 3 o'clock, but do you want to know the good news? Go we on. have avoided Mr. Jim Bagel. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the running order here, thanks to Fran Werdy. Um, and like you'll you'll be not shocked whatsoever to learn that Jim Bagel's got himself a gig on Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, I think we've got Tony Gale, but um, yeah, Jim Beglin's on 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 Liverpool duty, so enjoy that one, Liverpool fans. And he's also on he's also on Man United duty the next day. So of course, he's got the big ones. That's why he earns the big bucks. Um, so plenty more Jim to come for the rest of the season. <laughs> uh, we'll see you later. Thanks a million for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.